The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting dodo birds and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, please smash the like button like you're Brandon Davies. You got consent. And if you haven't subscribed yet to the YouTube channel, please take a moment and do that. Just hit the subscribe button. It's simple. Just hit the subscribe button. So the biggest story connected to college basketball this week, oddly, oddly, is the recruitment of Bronny James. That's the King's oldest son. On three sports, reported that Oregon is the front runner. Then LeBron James, that's the King. He jumped on Twitter and more or less said it's still way too early for there to be a front runner in the recruitment of Bronny James. USC, Ohio State, and Memphis are among the other schools reportedly involved to some sort of degree at this moment. Deadleg, are you... Uh, ready to spend the the next few months being asked about Bronny James recruitment because it, it looks like that's that's what we're in for. Oh well, how about where we've landed, my man? Uh, after you know, I don't know, a year and a half, two years of I don't want to say insistence, but like continued belief that Bronny James would not play college basketball. Same thing kind of happened with Amani Bates. I believe the whole way Amani Bates would play college basketball, and he's going to play a lot of college basketball, by the way. Eastern Michigan upcoming for Imani Bates. Um, there's a plot twist for you. Can't, can't wait. Can't um, wait for that. Bronny James, while the route still exists for him to go and play in, uh, you know, G League or Overtime Elite, all these options are still out there. Still technically do it. Um, if you talk to coaches who've seen him play or people like Adam Finkelstein and others who have evaluated him, for the better part of three years. I mean, I was in Vegas. I, I guess I watched, this is pre-pandemic. Were you in the gym with me when we watched Bronny James and LeBron was there? And it was like, I think he was a rising freshman. Were you at that? You might not have been there. I might, I might have been you at might, Foothill. You know what? You might have been at Foothill. You really might have been at Foothill. In fact, I think you were at Foothill. Because um, the when that game was played was also weirdly placed in the day. It wasn't like early afternoon. It wasn't evening. It was like, 450 Vegas time so you kind of had to go out of your way but go out of my way I did to uh to see him play and um point I'm getting to here is that Bronny James for a, for a while has been 
you know, somewhat behind the scenes, like evaluated as the, as though he was, you know, like low level, high major player, maybe like an A-10 level player. Now he got better and had a great July. And now he's gotten to a point where he's considered a viable top 75 prospect, high major prospect. And he has, he has arrived at this point. Although there are still some who are a bit skeptical of that. And, you know, if his name was not Bronny James and if it was, you know, Chris Smith or whatever, like when he, or, 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 or Matt, Matt Guster. Guster, that's right. Then he would, he'd be nearly as highly ranked. Um, but I do hope Bronny James does go play college basketball. It would obviously be nice to the sport if he, he were to do that. And with the way that the collective bargaining, bargaining agreement with the NBA is right now and, and changing the age limit, if that even happens, uh, he won't get in before the buzzer, so to speak there. Um, in regard to his recruitment, yeah, I mean, I, I did a little bit of sniffing around. In fact, the pod you were not on when I did with Finkelstein from... I was in Florida at the time when we basically wrapped up Peach Jam and everything like that. We got into Bronny James, and at the time, I gave you five schools. And for the five, the only one that I gave you at the time that doesn't seem to be viable right now is UCLA. And I did not have Memphis on the list. So swap Memphis for UCLA, and, and the schools uh, basically remain the same. But I was told... That, as you would expect, the recruitment, uh, you know, very much being uh, as as controlled as you would expect it to be and uh, relatively low key. But but to me, Bronny James basically amounts to college basketball's Arch Manning, the son of an absolute legend in the sport. Uh, I believe they're in the same high school class. I did not fact check that before this pod. But, you know, and whose recruitment will draw plenty of interest. Um We'll see whose uh, who's college experience winds up being more impactful, Bronny James or Arch Manning. LeBron James. I, I can answer that. I can answer that okay. right now. I actually don't know who you're going to say. Arch, Arch, Arch Manning. Arch Manning is a five-star prospect recruited by literally everybody who is considered at one point. When's the last Texas. time Texas had an awesome NFL player? Come on. I don't know. I'm just I don't, saying. I, I'm just saying. Ain't, this ain't, hey, hey, if you want to do the Ion College Football Podcast, go do that. <laughs> we have one. It's called Cover Three. I'm just saying. I wouldn't because because basketball is more of an now quarterbacks. We get it. It's actually a good. It's actually a good question there. If you're listening, feel free to uh, to chime in. Whose college career will be more impactful? Bronny James. Basketball is more of an individualistic sport. Or Arch Manning, where you know Texas. The Texas thing is really what's got me tripped up on that, GP. That's all. I, um, that's a <laughs> terrible question. Arch Manning, Arch, Arch Manning is like elite level prospect. And as you pointed out, um, some people thought Bronny James was um, not necessarily a high major prospect. He is ranked 49th in the class of 2023, according to the top 247 rankings over at 247 uh, Sports. And so... Last night, I uh, because this is like you can roll your eyes at it if you want to. Uh, this is the biggest story in college basketball this week. It's a slow week. It's August, you know. But but like Bronny James, where is he going? Where is he not going? LeBron James addressing it on Twitter because on three sports called Oregon the leader. On three sports, by the way, um, they they tend to they they get some things. They get out over their skis a little okay, bit. Do you want to you know what I mean? Lobbing shots here. No, I'm just saying I, there's been a handful of these where people have had to come out and say, 
on three sports reported, but it doesn't appear to be true. Um, yeah, I mean, that's just true. I'm not taking shots at anybody. Um, I'm just saying that, that that's a true thing. And it appears to be another true thing uh, that, that happened this week. So it's been a story this week. And, you know, particularly in the market that I live in, because it's been reported that Penny Hardaway is seriously pursuing Bronny James. There's the, you know, LeBron grew up idolizing Penny. Um, there's a Nike connection there. I, I can see how Memphis would be involved. I'm not certain that Memphis will close the deal, but I could see how Memphis would get involved. So with all this in mind, I, I just said, okay, let's let's forget his name's Bronny James for a second. Let's just let's just label him the 49th best prospect in the class of 2023. What does that guy usually do in college? And after looking into it last night, you got some you got some guys who are ranked 49th? Yeah, well, I got the Can past I guess 10 years. any of them? You'll know you'll know some of these names. Sure. Right, go ahead. I'm interested to learn. Okay, so the the number 49 player, again, this is all according to the top 247. The number 49 player in 2002 is a young man named uh, Isaac McNeely. He's headed to Virginia. Have you ever heard of, of Isaac not. McNeely? Okay, he's going to Virginia. He hasn't played yet, so we're not counting him. But everybody else on this list uh, played a freshman season in college. And I I I should point out that LeBron has certainly implied, if not straight said, that Bronny is going to be a one and done play. He's going to be in the 2024. He wants NBA to play with draft. his son, that, that, which is it, a whole other deal together. But yes, he wants to he wants to play with his son Bronny in the NBA before he retires. So you're probably not getting a multi-year player here if you're a college coach. That doesn't seem to be the plan. If his name were Matt Guster, he'd certainly be uh, labeled as a multi-year player. But his name's Bronny James. His dad wants to play with him. His dad has, again, suggested, you draft my son, I'll come play with you. Uh, which you know makes me think he will get drafted whether he should or not. Certainly, if that's on the table, he'll get drafted whether he should or not. So with all this in mind, I, I went back and looked at uh, the past 10 players ranked 49th in the country, just like Bronny James, according to two, uh, the top two, four, seven and seeing what they did in their, their, their first year of college. And here's where we're here. Here's how it goes down. It actually starts. Cause we're going to count backwards. So class of 2021, number 49, this is actually a good one. Arthur Kaluma yeah. went to Creighton averaged 10.4 points in 26.8 minutes per game as a freshman. He's, he was Creighton's fifth leading scorer, but that's a good one. And you'll see how good that is. As we go down the list, number 49 in 2020, it's somebody named Samson Ruinson. I was way off. Went to Florida as a freshman, averaged two points, 7.4 minutes per game. 2019, number 49 player, Kai Jones, went to Texas, averaged 3.6 points in 16.7 minutes per game as a freshman. Number 49 in 2018, A.J. Lawson. Pretty good one. Went to South Carolina, averaged 13.4 points in 30.5 minutes per game as a freshman. Team was 16 and 16, so he averaged double digits for a bad team. But he did average double digits. Number 49 in 2017, Jordan Wara, Louisville. As a freshman, he got good, but as a freshman, only averaged 5.7 points, 12 minutes per game. Number 49 in 2016, Schneider Harrard went to Mississippi State. I'm getting, by the way, keep going. I'm getting like ridiculous deja vu at the moment. Very bizarre. Continue. He averaged 5.1 points in 18.1 minutes per game as a freshman. 
Number 49 in 2014, the great Craig Victor. And went to Arizona, averaged 3.1 points, 7.1 minutes per game as a freshman. Number 49 in 2013, Matt Jones. Who? Went to Duke. Averaged 1.8 points in 7.3 minutes per game as a freshman. Number 49 in 2012, another pretty good one here. Omar Calhoun went to UConn. Averaged 11.1 points in 32.1 minutes per game as a freshman. So, the past 10 prospects ranked 49th in the top 247 at 24-7 sports, have combined to average 6.1 points in 17.7 minutes per game as a freshman. Only 30% of the past 10 prospects ranked 49th in the top 247 average more than 5.7 points per game as a freshman. You still want to recruit Ronnie James, dead leg? Because here's my point. If I were a high-major program, I'd be real hesitant to get oh, seriously involved Oh, yeah, that's the other thing. I was thinking about this as I knew we were going to leave with this on the pod. Uh, there are certainly some benefits to this, obviously, from a publicity standpoint. You you land Bronny James, your program is going to be talked about more than it normally would. That's just the reality of it. No matter where he goes, he will add that much more discussion and intrigue and attraction to your program. But you also bring in uh, the most famous parent imaginable. And with that also comes an unnecessary amount of... Uh, or an invitation to an unnecessary amount of criticism. The reality here is shy of Bronny James showing up to a college campus and becoming a top 40 player in the country. I'm not even saying all America. I'm saying top 40 in the country. Um, there will be a, a certain segment of the population fan bases, maybe even some media as irresponsible as that would be that will find reasons to overly critique Bronny James for not being as good as maybe he should be or is supposed to be, uh, given that he is LeBron, literally LeBron James Jr. there. So if you are a power conference program uh, and you are deciding to get into the Bronny James sweepstakes, you know, you got to consider everything. It doesn't surprise me that Memphis wants to do this. Uh, if I was Bronny James and LeBron James, I would certainly look at the track record thus far with Penny Hardaway and, and have some level of hesitation with that. Um, but what's the what's the end game here what's 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 the benefit to doing this uh, i'll tell you this i i think that wherever he goes i'll i'll take the over on that just because he who of who he is and i think the touches that he'll get mark me for over what was it 6.6 points a game what was the what was the average five uh on uh the yeah 6.1 the past 10 players ranked 49th in their class have averaged 6.1 points in 17.7 minutes per game as a freshman yeah, he'll. I'll say he'll 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 best that as a freshman. I think he will. I think he'll average more points and be on the floor longer. Which isn't to say that I think he's going to step in and be an immediate uh, big time impact freshman or anything like that. But I do think that he will be uh, more productive uh, with that. But it'll be it'll be interesting. I think it is good for college basketball that he's going to play in the sport. Or at least it seems that he is going to be playing in the sport. We are certainly headed in that direction. Uh, but for as to which program would most benefit from this. I don't know. Oregon does feel like kind of a good fit. It's not, you know, it's not, uh, it's not a humongous program. It's not in a major media market. Obviously, you have the Nike ties there. Uh, there have been no shortage of big name prospects or high level prospects that have gone there in the past. Um, so I'm not, I'm not pinning them as the favorite. I don't have that intel. I'm not going to pretend that I do. But of all the places that he could potentially go, I would see why Oregon would make a lot of sense. Um. Again, if 
his name were something else and his father was somebody else, I would recruit him, no question. He's a top 50 player in the country. But given that LeBron has certainly suggested he's going to be in the 2024 NBA draft, this is not a player development thing. You're likely getting him for one year. My only question is, are you sure you want this for one year? Because once you get past the name and the fame, odds are Bronny James going to be a role player at best as a freshman in college. Based on the history of the number beside his name, he projects as somebody who probably shouldn't be getting major minutes for a legitimate high major program as a freshman. Why wouldn't you be hesitant to bring that into your program for a year? Again, LeBron suggests he's going to be in the 2024 NBA draft. So you're probably getting him for one year. And if you force play him in that one year, like play him even though it's clear he shouldn't be playing as much as he's playing, you're going to have locker room problems. Like Memphis had when Penny forced play to Monty Bates. Major minutes, even though he wasn't good and didn't deserve them. That's not a good scenario. And if you barely play Bronny James because, you know, he was a borderline top 50 prospect coming into college and he doesn't need to be playing major minutes as a freshman at your program. Well, now you got Stephen A. Smith on ESPN on a random Wednesday morning talking about what's wrong with Bronny and whether it was a mistake for LeBron to let him go to your school. That's not good either. So are you sure you want to sign up for that if you're a coach? Like I said, and this is where the Arch Manning, Bronny James thing sort of falls apart. If Bronny were Arch Manning, a, like a five-star prospect, let's say ranked second in the class of 2023, absolutely take him. But having a super famous borderline top 50 prospect on your team who everybody thinks should be playing major minutes but probably shouldn't actually be um, is more likely to go wrong than right now let me say this obviously I, I can't see the future it's possible Bronny James grows two inches over the next year becomes a legitimate five-star prospect looks like somebody who can be the star of a college team as a freshman if so I'd love to have him if I were a coach that sounds terrific but if he's going to end up being what a typical player ranked in this range in his high school class what they typically become as a freshman if you take him you're going to end up wishing Maybe that you hadn't, which is why the smart move might be just to politely back off. Yeah, I don't know if that's going to happen, though, at this point. Uh, it feels like feels like the schools that are involved are going to be ones that remain involved. And again, this is good for this is wonderful for men's college basketball to have Bronny James on a trajectory where he is going to play in college. It seems that way. The idea, and well, this will be a discussion largely for once he gets into college. Like the fact that we're talking about him in this regard, and he's a he's a quality prospect. But um, guys who are ranked 49th, guys who are ranked 30th, guys who are ranked 25th, don't project as one and done players. Uh, whether or not he even gets drafted, and how that aligns with LeBron and the Lakers, that's a whole other thing. It's, there's there's going to be a lot of uh, interesting ways this. LeBron James Jr. story can develop and, and move along in the next couple of years here. Uh, I hope it works out for him as best as possible. And yes, you know, from a from a coverage standpoint, it would be great if if he continued to get better and stepped in and was a viable like attraction and and a producer starter 
one of the best freshmen in the country. We'd love that. Um, but at this point, we'll see. I just part of me comes from this uh, having one seen him play. He's he's definitely a good player, but I've seen him play multiple games where it was beyond evident he was not the best player on the floor. Like at least four or five times I've seen him do that. And then with the coaches who have happened to see him even more than I do, um, they'll kind of tell you on background. Uh, from a rankings perspective, he just still seems a little bit overrated. Um, and plus, you know, there's just, you know, how much more is he going to grow um, with stuff like that? Good, good player. But uh, but ultimately, yes, I think it will. It will where he goes in terms of how he fits into a system and the coach that's there, I actually think is extremely important. Very. Yeah. Um, you know, overtime elite might be an option for him. G League might be an option for him as well. So it's not uh, settled that he's going to play in college. But I also think it's worth noting because I know this this might be um, an uh, y- you probably didn't start this podcast thinking I was going to say if I were a high major coach, I might not recruit Ronnie James at all. Um, look at the schools that aren't recruiting him. I mean, that speaks for itself. The, you know, there are I trust me when I tell you there are plenty of coaches who would say. Probably not publicly, but certainly privately, I don't want to get involved in this. Um it it brings and this isn't um a reflection of Bronny James. I don't know Bronny James. He might be the best young man in the world. Somebody I'd like to have as my own son. This is just a reflection of he is super, super famous. Literally millions of followers on social media. His games are on national television. Drake goes to them sometimes. He is a super famous college basketball prospect with a super famous father. And because of that, and and, and because his, his father is like, I, I want to play with my son in the NBA, that, that implies his father's not going to be thrilled watching him play 14 minutes per game if that's the way this stuff goes down. I just think it's more likely to not go well than it is to go well if you end up enrolling him. Not because of anything with LeBron or anything with Bronny, but because of the circumstances connected to the situation. Um, again, players ranked where he's ranked are n- almost never impactful as freshmen at legitimate high major programs like Oregon, like USC, like Ohio State, like Memphis. You know, Memphis had a freshman named Josh Minot last year, actually got drafted in the second round, signed a multi-year, multi-million dollar contract uh, in the NBA. Barely played at Memphis last season. Barely played. And because it was Josh Minot, nobody cared. But if Bronny James is barely playing for you, barely playing, you know, buried on your bench, just because borderline top 50 guys don't normally make impacts at legitimate high major programs like the ones that are recruiting him, it's going to be something you're going to be asked about every day, something you're going to have to deal with every day. And... I just don't think that's an easy situation. Be interesting to see how this evolves and when the timeline will be for Bronny James to make his decision on his future. But uh, yeah, this, that was uh, certainly an unexpected plot development. But the podcast thanks Bronny James and everything because it was certainly a a worthy lead topic here uh, in the thick of the offseason. Let's move on. The Big Ten announced its new media rights deal on Thursday. It's lucrative. We'll talk about that next, but first a word from our partners. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So the Big Ten announced its new media rights deal on Thursday. Very lucrative. Seven years, $8 billion with CBS, Fox, and NBC. It's the richest media rights deal in the history of college athletics. Deadleg, you ready for the Big Ten to continue to play basketball on CBS, but also now, with a football big time. Component. This was this was the biggest news in college sports this week. Whereas the Bronny James stuff was obviously tied to college hoops. Uh, this by far is the biggest item here. Let's let's dive into this because I think you know from an industry standpoint, obviously we were we we'd been waiting on this for the better part of two months, and it does like this has significant impact on you listening to this podcast, the fans of college sports, college football college basketball no doubt about it the football stuff we're gonna largely bypass here although you know i will mention you know it's it's mega mega for cbs and not surprising oh by the way cbs is america's most watched network 14 years running the network um, of stars swapping out the sec which will be on cbs in the 330 time slot in football this season for the last time then next season uh and forward it will be it will be big 10 uh the big 10 is Actually, I don't, I don't know well, if that's right. Well, 2024 and beyond, it will be. 330 will be the CBS spot. Next year, it's going to be more of a hodgepodge. Uh, but Yeah, we got SEC at 330 Eastern Correct. this season. SEC at 330 Eastern next season. But then the Big Ten package comes to CBS as well. They'll yes. figure that out. I'm not involved in those conversations. And then after that, it's Big Ten at 330 Eastern. On CBS, America's most watched network. Keeping the, the network same music, stars. by the way. Some people love it. Some people don't. Guess what? That's not the SEC's music. That the is. Music, that's our that's music. That's well, my it's, music. Not, it's definitely not yours. It is. It, it is, is my music. I have more of a right to that music than than the SEC does going forward. If that music's sitting on a table and we take it to court, and Greg Sankey's on one side and I'm on the other, no, I'm not. He's going lose. to lose. They're going to lose. Oh, well, 100. He's going to lose. That's my music, Greg Sankey. You want? Go to ESPN. Go to ABC. But you leave your music with me. The uh, the the football CBS theme music for college, yes, predates the SEC contract there. And now it will become, again, feel the Rutger. Feel the Rutger. But point I'm making here is the Big Ten is considered, has been considered the most valuable property in college athletics that's not, you know, the men's NCAA tournament uh, or the college football playoff. And that this deal reinforces that it's it's major now the one thing missing from it i did hear from a few coaches in fact i talked to a coach earlier this morning uh that said players aren't getting paid in this is this going to be the last major media deal where that's the case are we going to look up in three four years and because you even had ohio state quarterback cj stroud speaking out on this being like eight eight billion over seven years some some of the players going to get some of that money um more and more coaches 
The answer, by the way, to your question is that um, I don't know if this is the last deal that gets done without players being cut in, but eventually players will for be cut sure. in this deal. Uh, for sure. And I and as I was talking with one other coach, uh, there are many reasons why this deal is relatively short. Uh, one of them being the very nature of cable versus streaming, where it will be three years from now, let alone when this deal ends. Who's to say, you know, in the past year, there are more people that stream than have cable subscriptions in the United States for the first time ever that uh, streaming has overtaken cable subscriptions and it doesn't appear as though that trend will reverse. And so how these deals have, uh, are, you know, media rights deals are, are agreed to and how much value and, and for the, for the, how long they'll be will be something interesting to track going forward. And I'll get into the streaming aspect of this because it is going to impact basketball fans, but the big 10 going to CBS was, not a shock whatsoever. If 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 if, C, if CBS was going to sever ties with the SEC, the Big Ten was always the conference that was going to have to replace it. It is, and obviously Fox still owns uh, a hefty majority of this deal. Here's what you need to know from a basketball standpoint with this deal. CBS is going to move from 11 Big Ten games in the regular season uh, this upcoming season, it will get 15. Every single Big Ten basketball game and men's basketball that gets played on CBS will be on Big CBS. There will be no Big Ten games on CBS Sports Network. There will be 15, which means more high-profile games on Saturday or Sunday windows throughout the season. That's a good thing for the Big Ten. Do you, do you know they actually have a they actually have yeah. a draft? Yeah, every yeah, yeah. Like, like they draft. Yes, they draft well, they the draft the they, I, they draft the games and they draft the weeks for the games, as I understand it. So, and I don't know where we are in the calendar with basketball or not, but literally in the off season, this might have already happened. It, I, it's already GP, happened. There we go. It's it's already happened. Network executives get together on a day. They they see the schedule forthcoming, and you know we're not going to get totally into the details on this, but they basically they they project which weeks they want to have, they get their pick of the game and their pick of the game and their pick of the game. And most often, you know, that works out. But if you ever are in a situation where you see that a certain game is on a certain network and you're like, man, these teams, like this game is just not that good. Why is it in this spot? It's because in the middle of the summer when the draft happened, the teams were expected to be good or just sometimes the brands will, you know, and I, I'm very aware of how I sound even saying it. sometimes the brands just went out, but like it does not matter. Michigan versus Ohio State in football is going to be the top pick every, pretty much every single year because of how meaningful that rivalry is. But yes, the fact that there is a draft, I think, is uh, is very, very cool. So CBS will get 15 games in men's college basketball. Also, the women's title game is going to air on CBS going forward and that's a that's a unprecedented thing which is tremendous the semis and the title game in the big 10 tournament will remain on cbs as they have uh fox and fox sports one will get at least 45 regular season big 10 games peacock here's the here's the here's why i wanted to really talk about this is that it seems like for the college sports fan in some ways college basketball really college sports fan it's it's moving Closer to if you're a soccer fan, which I'm not a huge soccer fan, but I know that if you love professional soccer and you live in the United States, you need to have a subscription to probably a cable service and like four different streaming platforms to be able to follow everything from Champions League to... All you need is Paramount there you Plus. Go. Which, by the way, is going to continue to have Champions League, but um, if you it, that is just the reality of it. Now, with this, there will be streaming on Peacock with Big Ten games. And I do wonder if the Big Ten basketball, and this has been talked about and written about a little bit there, um, the Big Ten's presence 
is just going to diminish in men's basketball. I don't think there's any denying that. Uh, as much as I'd love to see CBS pick up, you know, 80 Big Ten men's basketball games, that's not going to happen. Uh, all the games that were on ESPN, many of them will no longer be there. There's still hope that some sub-licensing will happen and there might be some Big Ten games that are on that network. But for the majority, it's going to be CBS, Peacock, Fox, and Fox Sports 1. And while this deal was done, obviously, for football and pretty much only for football, uh, Big Ten basketball still does carry a lot of weight. Uh, CBS has, you know, exemplified that through its decades-long deal with the conference that it will continue to do. But if you are a basketball fan, which you are, you're listening to this podcast there, it will take it. Now, it's not for this season. It's moving forward. It will take a little bit getting used to. Uh, and, and how about this, GP? Just to speak to the value of the Big Ten. We're talking about a conference that has, in football, men's and women's basketball combined, there's been, since 2000, there have been 66 total seasons, three national championships in the Big Ten between those three sports. And yet, it's still well over a billion annually in this rights deal. And part of that's getting the LA markets, UCLA and USC. Obviously, we understand that. But uh, it's just, it's, it's it's a major major event in our industry, and it is going to it is going to significantly impact. I think how people um, are able to to follow basketball in particular because the ease in which you can watch Big Ten games to a certain extent not it's it's not it's your muscle memory is going to get jolted. Wouldn't you agree, GP? You're used to you're used to just turning on a, a certain channel and seeing Indiana play Purdue. Uh, that's not going to be the case moving forward, and that's a, that's a major shift in, in the way that we actually consume the sport. Yeah, um, you know, Google, Google's there for you. You can always find the game you're looking for just by Googling where, you know, what channel is Purdue, Michigan State on. But uh, certainly there are more places to go these days um, to consume live sports content. Um, you know, as a, as, as a Mets fan, you know, I, I, I watch the Mets every day. And sometimes they're on SNY. Sometimes they're on... Uh, PIX. Sometimes they're on Apple TV Plus. Sometimes they're on ESPN. Um, you know, it's all you gotta, you gotta, you know. Sometimes I'll go like on DirecTV SNY's channel six thirty nine, and I'll go to six thirty nine. It's like Mets games down here. All right, I gotta go find it. And so it's um, you gotta put some work in, but uh, it's it's not hard to it's not hard for for most people to figure out. I'm I'm certain it'll be impossible for some people to figure out, but it's not hard for. Most people to figure out. And either way, this is uh, this is the world we live in now. Uh, last thing on this, and then and then we'll get out of here. Uh, you know, Dan Wetzel pointed this out, tremendous Yahoo columnist uh, on Twitter, um, that when university presidents, conference commissioners were arguing against name, image, and likeness, one of the points they would make, insist on, even though it was nonsensical to anybody with a brain was that what makes college sports um, attractive to television viewers, to fans, is the concept of amateurism. And if we ever go to name, image, and likeness, and these players are making millions of dollars in some cases, then you lose the allure of college athletics, and people won't want to watch it anymore. That was an actual argument these people made. And roughly a year after name, image, and likeness, becomes a reality and players are actually making millions of dollars. The richest media rights deal in college athletics history is signed by the big 10. 
This is exactly what they told you could not happen, would not happen, if players were able to get what they're worth. And surprise, surprise, we find out players are now able to get what they're worth. And it doesn't bother anybody, not not any reasonable person. And even the unreasonable people who are bothered by it for reasons that I, will never make sense to me, they still watch it. I don't know that there's a person on the planet who loved Duke basketball but won't watch Duke basketball anymore because the players are making money off the image and likeness rights. I don't know that there's a person on the planet who loved Kentucky basketball but not going to watch it anymore because Oscar Shibway is making a few million dollars. Like those people were all over social media, but they're, they're not real people. And this media rights deal that the Big Ten did is evidence that the thing college presidents and conference commissioners were pushing forever and ever and ever. It just was never true. And now we've got the proof. Oh, people will stop watching if these players are making big money. Well, then how did you just get $8 billion from some television networks? <laughs> they know what people watch. It's their job to know what people are going to watch. Why would they give you $8 billion if people are going to stop watching? Dude, $70 million annually per school with this deal. $70 million annually. I think that's a low number. I've heard 80 to 100. If you do, I thought if you do, maybe it's like 72, 73. Maybe if you do, uh, what, 16 Big Ten schools over, if you do the math, I don't think it's 100 millions. Uh, I think that's more than, but it, regardless, it's it's an absurd amount of money. It's it's record setting. It's the, it's the most by far. And yeah, the, the same way that this kind of money going to these schools has zero um, near zero impact on people actually watching the games. Someone's going to have to finish, by the way, 16th in the big 10. Someone's gonna have to finish 13th. Someone's going to have to finish 10th. This isn't going to be, it's, it's rosy from a, uh, look how rich our conference is. The actual average fan, um, you're still going to be complaining about many of the same things as you did before. This won't impact your, uh, your day to day, uh, fandom other than you might be more likely to not win the championship, to not finish first, to not finish second. I actually think it has uh, many negative impacts overall. We touched on that on a previous podcast, but yes, schools getting 70, 75, 80, $85 million annually is, uh, is, is major. Uh, one last thing from me on this. Well, two things. One, um, had someone in the college athletic space, uh, hit me up earlier this week, kind of being like, are we, do we wonder if the, if the big East, might get in business again with ESPN. It's only a Fox property. Don't know that deals up in a couple of years. Keep that in mind. Um, Big East has gotten from an ESPN standpoint, a lot of the treated similarly to how hockey was not entirely, but similarly. And then is the ACC big 10 challenge going to cease to exist here in a couple of years? Because that has been entirely an ESPN property. It's one of the biggest non-conference events of the first six weeks of the college basketball calendar. ACC is in a right deal with ESPN through 2036. Um, I don't have the answer to this. Uh, I don't know if the ACC Big Ten Challenge would go away. And if it did, I'd argue that would not be a good thing, although it would potentially open up at least a little bit more diversity with non-conference scheduling. But do I actually trust the coaches in those programs to replace those games with equal opponents? I do not. So that could be that could be another ding in the negative. Maybe they find a way to salvage it, but there is certainly a lot of ambiguity over whether or not the most prominent non-conference series and really the most long-standing one we're talking one that goes back uh basically a couple decades here whether or not that will survive uh certainly remains to be seen it's complicated um it would require fox and espn to work together i don't know that they want to but if they wanted to work together they could salvage that and um if not 
And, you know, how do you feel about the ACC SEC challenge? <laughs> yeah. Anything. <laughs> hey, listen, anything, anything is, uh, Anything is possible. If you replace one for the other, that would certainly uh, that would certainly be welcome. But yes, big uh, big news. Now we wait and see on the SEC, which is you know w- what it will do with its uh, rights deals in the coming years. Big East is coming up pretty soon. The Pac-12 is is really on deck here. Uh, all all conferences basically are except for the ACC, which uh, has signed a deal which everyone basically mocks in college sports at this point because it, it got locked in. In some ways, maybe it's saving its conference, but uh, it's not. It's not getting the most out of what it could, uh, and signing a long-term deal it turned out to not be uh, to not be the smart thing. Um, one more basketball item from EGP. Uh, we do need to mention the passing of Pete Carrill. I mean, Hall of Fame coach Princeton. He died earlier this week on Monday, ninety-two years old. Um, his last game that he won was famous, ninety-six NCAA tournament backdoor pass. Beats UCLA, the reigning national champion in the first round in Indianapolis. Vintage Princeton play. Um, the college, obviously, men's college basketball has lost a lot of coaching legends uh, in the past couple of years. Here, Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame level coaches, and Kirill becomes the the latest one to do so. I just, I'm, I'm wowed by the fact that he won more than 500 games without a scholarship player because the Ivy League, you couldn't have scholarship players. And he's the greatest coach in Ivy League history, won the conference 13 times, made 11 NCAA tournaments, won the NIT in 1975, and did so at a time, like, I wasn't around, Paris was like four years old at that point. The NIT was, at in 75, it was basically as prestigious of a tournament as the NCAA, maybe slightly below, but basically until like the late sixties, the NCAA tournament, and the NIT were, were kind of equal footing in terms of prestige. Then slowly, but surely the NCAA passed it by before lapping it entirely. But for uh, to win an NIT in 75 without a scholarship player. And this is after Bill Bradley, you know, Kirill did not coach Bill Bradley. There was a time in the thirties, forties, fifties into the early sixties where football and men's basketball could reliably recruit some of the better high school players in the country and then, well, the Ivy League refused to adopt scholarships. And then it's, you know, the water has found its level. The evolutionary process in college athletics has kind of gone the way it's gone. And every so often, you'll get a really good Ivy League story. Kirill, uh, you know, he headed up just uh, a program that was the best or the second best team in its conference for the better part of two and a half decades. If it wasn't Princeton, then it was Penn. And his lasting legacy, I mean, he'll never be duplicated again. You're not getting another Ivy League coach to win 500 games without scholarship. That's never happening again. And the fact that he he didn't out and out invent the offense known as the Princeton offense, but he did obviously tweak it to his own. He made it he made it his own. And it and his philosophies and his doctrines, if you will, were duplicated at the high school level, uh, the professional level. Still, there are you talk to coaches now, there are still uh parts of the Princeton offense that are that are very much used at the NBA level today it's the great talent equalizer in terms of you can have you can play a team that's much much better than you but if you have guys that are constantly in motion uh, know how to pass and wait it out wait it out patient patient wait for the defense to make a lapse make wait for them to make a mistake it will pay off um, it certainly worked better in an era when there wasn't a shot clock versus when there is, but you can still run it. Some coaches still do. Chris Mooney, Princeton Disciple, runs it at uh, at Richmond, among a few other places. Just wanted to give homage to, like, he is a coaching legend. And um, his death, I think, uh, it, you know, it, 
it echoed throughout the sport parish in ways where uh, it went maybe even beyond what I expected. But uh, wonderful piece by uh, the great Alex Wolf, Sports Illustrated writer. And if you have not read it, I would I would highly encourage it. Uh, rest in peace to the late Pete Carrill, really one of uh, the true innovators and an American original. Yeah, it was nice to see all of the current college coaches jump on Twitter and in some cases tweet pictures of them and Pete Carell and, and, and just, you know, pay their respects to, like you said, accurately, um, a college basketball coaching legend. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening. I own College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Over at Apple, leave a five-star review. Write some words. There's more of us than there are of them. If you're watching on YouTube, if you haven't already smashed that like button, smash it now. And we're going to talk to you again real soon. Till then, take care. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus.